0: Welcome to the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast. A conversation built to help you address the mess, connect the dots, and defeat addiction. Doing your work matters because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Life is tough and we're here to help. I'm your host, Ben Derrick, and as always, I'll be joined by Roan Hunter. Let's jump right in. Man, we are excited uh, to have the, uh, our guest today, uh, one of the one of the things that we've wanted to uh make a part of this pod- podcast is just a bigger discussion around uh, sex and sexuality uh from a broader perspective from uh really a cultural perspective and certainly from a faith perspective uh it's one of those things uh we talk about it often uh, on the podcast that Uh, there's so much distorted thinking around sex, uh, and it's not just out there uh, in the world. Uh, I always say that uh, most everything around sex and sexuality in the world is uh, backwards and upside down. Um, And then you get into the church, into faith communities, and there's a whole, uh, another, another set of distorted thinking that kind of permeates uh, church and faith communities. And so having discussions uh, from a broader perspective and how this stuff plays out, uh, because it, it is what affects uh, our individual lives. Uh, we cannot be uh, in the world today and not be uh, infected by the crazy sexual atmosphere that permeates culture. And so, man, excited to have our guest. Uh, Terrell Clemens uh, is the deputy uh, editor with uh, Salvo Magazine. Uh, I can't say enough good things about that magazine. They take uh, kind of the issues of the day, everything from just uh, society for science, uh, sex, sexuality. And uh, the, the articles and the writers uh, are deep thinkers, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's not kind of Christian light. Uh, it's certainly coming from a biblical worldview, but boy, they go deep, uh, and, and it makes you think deeper about these issues. So Tara, we are so excited to have you at, uh, on the podcast today. Thanks for taking the time to be with us.
1: Well, of course, thank you.
0: Yeah, and so if you would just kind of give us, uh, our listeners, a little background of uh, just who you are, um, how you wind up uh, doing what you do now, um, and I do know that you went to Clemson and, uh, you know, we're we're in SEC football territory, uh, so we're not going to talk about football, but uh, I... I <laughs> I, 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 do, I do know that uh, you're, you're a Clemson grad and um, so just tell us a little bit about your own story.
1: Um, well, sure, and I mean, I, maybe I'll start with since you had me, you invited me here because of Salvo. I'll start with with how, how Salvo came about, and then how I came into that the Salvo mix. Uh, Touchstone Magazine was launched in in the nineteen eighties to focus on those areas that Christianity, the, the three branches of Christianity, have in common: um, Protestant, Catholic, and Orthodox. And the tagline of that is a journal of mere Christianity. So you might hear the C.S. Lewis in there. It's about, it's kind of a big think Christian journal, thinking intellectually about the faith. And then Salvo was launched out of that effort in... 2006 to reach a younger demographic, uh, like the college age, 20-somethings, even maybe 11th and 12th graders. And it really grew out of an effort to take up the science versus religion debate. That was the the era of the new atheists who were really attacking Christianity and, and faith in general. But Salvo decided... Not to just take up science and religion, but really science, sex, and society, which is kind of our tagline, because we believe that there is design that is evident and knowable in the natural world, knowable to science. Uh, There's design... Uh, to to our sexuality and the way that we're made and there's really design to the way that a society ought to be ordered and that does connect with with sexuality and marriage and sexuality so i came now going on to my story i guess i, I grew up in well i grew up in south carolina i'm from the bible belt too and where where football is kind of next to religion um, but I'm I'm friendly with my football talking. But anyway, so um I grew up in a church going home and in, in the Bible Belt and in a culture small town where I mean pretty much everybody went to mm. church and so that is worth something and, and I got that and I have very good parents and a nice safe, you know, growing up environment. And I, but I never really I mean, since it wasn't challenged, it was just kind of part of the culture, I never really gave much attention to it until I got married and I had two small children and life got really kind of mm-hmm. difficult. And I set out to to ask the question of myself really, do I just believe this thing because I was raised to believe it, it was the culture that I grew up in? Or is it really true? Are there good reasons to believe that the Christian faith is true? And I took about, I don't know, several months, I had two small kids at the time, but I set out to research, are there good reasons to believe this is true? And I became convinced that actually there really are. And at that point, I I came became convinced the Bible was, was a historical record that was true and that it communicated a faith that was true. So then I read the whole thing. It took me about a year. I read the whole thing front to back and I was like, Whoa! It really changed my view of the whole world and of my life. And then, and I was an at-home mom at the time. But as my kids got older and went to school, I started writing. I became, I came convinced that Christianity was true, really through apologetics. And I started writing on apologetics, maybe early two thousands. And then I found Salvo. Salvo was launched in 06. I found it in 07, and it really clicked with the way that I think. And I started writing for it then. I was asked to write um, on sexuality in a regular column in Salvo on sex. And to be honest, I kind of didn't want to do that. I was like, really? But then as a writer, you know, kind of a new writer, I thought if I'm being asked to write something regularly, I should really take that opportunity. And I did. And that was really when I started learning more about, um, really the intellect. I don't want to say intellectual, but about the biblical view of how we are made, and sexuality, and male and female, and the the, the biblical principle that that. Marriage is really the context for sexual expression, and at this time I was also married. And well, I'm not married anymore, but just because my I lost my husband in 2020, oh. he he died in 2020. So, uh, yeah, I'm still kind of adjusting to to being a single in a world that feels like couples. But but I just wanted to say when I, when I say I was married, that's why. And we were married thirty some years, and so I was working through learning about sexuality and the biblical picture of it. And then navigating and processing what I'm seeing in the culture and writing about, and also seeing as I raise my children in a very highly sexualized culture. And so I've learned a lot that way. And then also, you know, some of my journey has included wrestling through the differences between male and female as a married wife, married to a good man, but we were both broken people ourselves. And working through the way that marriage stirs up those deeper things that are within us um, with our sexuality and everything else. And um so that's really kind of how I came to be where I am and then when 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 I lost my husband in 2020 I'd been writing for Salvo since almost the beginning and that was when the Jim Kushner who's been the executive editor for Salvo a long time asked me if I wanted to take on some editorial responsibilities and come in and he's working his way you know toward other things and I'm working my way toward or into being editor of Salvo so that's how that's kind of a long answer to who I am and how I came to where I oh, am
0: now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, I certainly did not know the piece of just you, you know, your husband passing and uh, certainly mm-hmm. uh, knowing that, that that has been a process, just the, the grief process, uh, all that. And um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing uh, just uh, part of your story. Um, and so... Um, Let's let's jump into the to the topic of you know uh, just sex and sexuality from a faith perspective. Uh, you know the, the title of our book, our podcast, uh, you know comes from the book. Uh, the book is called uh, "Sex, God, and the Chaos of Betrayal: The Couple's Roadmap of Hope and Healing uh, Recovery from Infidelity Affairs, Pornography, and Sexual Addiction," and certainly. Um, <laughs> I always say we, uh, I I believe we're kind of like undertakers uh, because this thing affects just about every coupleship today and so much of it, you know, the rise of, you know, high speed internet pornography, uh, all of the hookup apps, everything that's going on in our culture. And it's just had a detrimental destructive effect on certainly marriage and and families. I, uh, in the latest issue of Salvo, uh, you, you wrote a review of the Mary Eberstadt's book, Adam and Eve, After the Pill, uh, and I loved, I loved the, uh, what you said um, where Alexander Solzhenitsyn uh, summed up the 20th century in four words, men have forgotten God, and she sums it up in her book uh, that in the 21st century, men are at war with God. And then you go on to say, Sex is arguably the most powerful force on earth. Bullets and bombs can destroy life, but only the sexual union of a man and woman can create it. God took pains to tell us that the way to prosperity and blessing was through observing his statutes, but revolutionaries threw caution to the wind. Too few of us understood what was happening, let alone resisted, and now we are all reaping the whirlwind. And, and so this cultural chaos around sex is so problematic um, and it, it, you know, and so many couples that we work with, I mean, we're Christian counselors, uh, but like the, the question of like, what is healthy sexuality? And as you said, uh, we believe that God is a God of order uh, and there is a design to creation and how life works. And it's why you know sexual sin, uh, sexual sex outside of the created design, creates so many issues because it affects every aspect of the soul. And so, talk a little bit about just um, in in your in your writings uh, and in your work, the the cultural effect of sex outside the created design. <clears throat>
1: Oh, wow. That's a big (laughs) opening. Uh, And the first thing that comes to my mind, probably, and there's a lot of directions to go and answer that question. You guys have covered, or at least I've listened to your podcast. I have not listened to all of the um, episodes yet, but i plan to. But you've covered um, pornography and and addiction. And most of the ones I've heard, you have covered them from the perspective of men who are getting sucked into sexual addictions or sexual compulsive behaviors in order to meet needs that are not basically sexual needs, but they're more emotional, relational needs. And as I'm a mom, I have three daughters, and and they're all in their 20s and their 30s now. But as I raised my daughters and... um, and then got connected with a lot of their friends and watched the culture they grew up in. What I have seen more of is from the female mm. perspective, which I also resonate with, where um, where young women just so much want to be loved, and the culture, it, it's just it's just almost like it's in the water that sex mm. equals love, and and young women, as, I mean, who are also being raised by broken parents often in broken homes, often without their father present or their father emotionally present, and they're just dying for love. And so what they start doing is giving themselves away sexually. And we have a culture that... that. Uh, encourages that, and then, well, as you mentioned, the article about contraception—that mm-hmm. was one thing that I that I have learned in the last ten years or so, writing for Salvo and researching these. What the contraceptive culture has done, it has separated sex sexual intercourse from baby making. To just be real blunt about it. And and then the culture comes along and says, sex is the way to have love. Sex is the way to get your emotional needs met. And I see young women, probably maybe young men too, trying to get their emotional needs met by just acting out sexually. And it's and they they don't even have the the um context to connect the dots to their feelings of loneliness, sadness. They thought this thing was going to give them what they wanted and then it's not. And and then when the addiction cycle kicks in, they keep doing the same thing and it's not satisfying the needs, it's only increasing the needs and it's it it is heartbreaking to see it and, and so that's one perspective that I see young women uh and then and then we also have the culture that 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 abortion is the way to remove the consequences that naturally mm-hmm. happen when when you do the activity that creates babies, and they're told at the outset. They find themselves in these crises. They're not thinking clearly, and they're told, "Well, this is just a really quick solution to the problem," and it doesn't solve the problem, and it creates even more problems. It's it's heartrending. It's heartbreaking. And um, I, I, I mean, I, I that's why I'm grateful for what you guys are doing because if. If we could say, I'm like, what I do at Salvo is writing on <laughs> writing on these issues. I'm up at the top of the cliff, saying, "Please don't jump. You know, don't do <laughs> yeah. this." Here, here's what you can expect. You're down there at the bottom, um, trying to help cl- clean up the mm. mess or right. do emergency emergency <laughs> salvation or medical care on the brokenness that happens when people jump off the cliff because they
0: don't see what's down there. Oh, gosh, yeah, well said. Uh, You know, part of our story, and we talk about it in our book, uh, Eva, my wife and I, uh, we had an abortion going into our freshman year uh, in college. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, we were, I I mean, I grew up, uh, even though I grew up in the Bible Belt, uh, I always tell people I grew up in the Easter Christian denomination. We went to church at Easter, maybe. And even that was like, that was weird in a way, right? Because as you said, everybody goes to church, um, but we didn't. And so, uh, you know, uh, and Eva grows up and uh, she grew up in a, uh, you know, they went to a Baptist church and it was all about rules and very little relationship. And uh, not really you know, living your faith out, uh, but going to church, and so you know, abortion was the easy answer. Um, and part of that, you know, from uh, her her parents' perspective, uh, her mother in particular was like, you know, we nobody can know about this, and and so the after effects of that, and so many people don't realize it so many women that go ha, that have an abortion suffer from PTSD. And you know that played out in our lives, and um, and so the, you know the the quick fix, the easy answer, it, it it's there's long term consequences to that. And one of the things that you said, this idea of you know sex equals love, uh, boy, that that it, that just permeates the thinking. Um, and then the idea of collecting the dots we always say you know so much of what we do uh, in our work is we're going to go collect the dots and then we're going to help you connect the dots and then we're going to be working to correct the dots and and that's really the process uh, that we take uh, couples through individuals through uh, especially when it comes to this area of sexuality um, you know and I think I believe you've written about this, but uh, so many people don't know kind of the the history uh, of the sexual revolution that really started uh, with Alfred Kinsey um, in the Kinsey Report, the sexual male, uh, and the faulty research uh, that was uh, part of that, uh, and then that became the standard uh, for sex education, and 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 again it's like that all of that has played into this tsunami uh, reaping the whirlwind uh, that we are seeing now and you know uh, so just talk a little bit about the 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 revolution uh that occurred and and really started with the uh you know with the pill oh wow yeah
1: that's another big one and actually before kenzie um and i wrote an article about this goes back a couple of years now, so I'm going to rattle these things off of memory, and I may not get it exactly right. But before Kenzie in in Berlin, in oh my goodness, pre World War One Berlin, or maybe in between the two World Wars, there was a movement in Germany, and there was a, a sexologist scientist that wanted to study science sexually, but it was completely separate from the biblical perspective of sexuality. And it was within the Darwinian mindset. And Darwin, Marx, and Freud who you know are all European thinkers of the eighteen hundreds. Excuse me, yeah, eighteen hundreds, nineteenth century European thinkers began from this worldview that we're really just you know we're we're just matter and molecules in motion, and that is the scientific view on the world. That's the most more, more advanced, and then so. Um, this I, I I don't remember his name, but he was a a sexologist, and he I believe he was a psychiatrist or a medical doctor, and he wanted to study sexuality, and so that took place in Germany, and then it eventually, as you know, some of them, some of these people were Jewish, and they came to the Atlantic to America because they had to get away from before World War II, and they brought it with them. And America was kind of ripe to take that and run with it. And, yeah, like you say, Kenzie, I live in Indiana now, so I like Indiana. But, yeah, Kenzie is from Indiana University and, as best I can tell, still kind of respected down mm-hmm. there. And uh, But, yeah, Kenzie, what, 1960s-ish, 50s yes. and 60s. He started with the um, sex and the male or something like that. And it was Judith Reisman who eventually started looking into his research and digging it out and showing how not only heroes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think she 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 died maybe just in the last couple of years, but she yep. is a hero because there's a there's a saying, and I think it's been attributed to Mark Twain that a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth can get its boots on, and and that is true, and and lies just are like fire that take off in a culture, and Kenzie, I mean Judith Reisman looked at how he. Was abusive of children. Mm. He was trying to, he, you know, he wanted to make the point apparently that children are sexual from birth. And, but the man was a myth. Mm. You know, now that, uh, yeah, he's deceased too, he I is. believe. And, yep. and it's been come to light that he had really just all kind of messed up sexual behaviors himself. And, but he also uh, used uh, or, prisoners supplied a lot of his data that he did research on about their sexuality and and so the sex, sex and the sex and the male came out it might even have been late 40s or early 50s you may know more about that than me and then he followed up with sex and the american female and and then so in this 1940s 50s 60s era then you get um, women like Betty Friedan who I believe founded Ms. Magazine or something like that. And and she talked about being an at-home mom, but wanting to get out into the world and work like a man. And then um, the founders of Cosmopolitan Magazine. Cosmopolitan Magazine, before it became the sex thing that it is now, was like a ladies' magazine with home and fashion and things like that. And uh, I believe Helen Gurley Brown was one of them, mm-hmm. one of the, the authors who took Cosmopolitan Magazine and turned it sexual to say that women could be set free by going out and having lots of sex with lots of different people, uh, just like just like men were known to do. And so then you bring in contraceptives, which were um, introduced in the early 1960s. The pill. Mm -hmm. The pill was approved for um, FDA approval in the 19 oh, it was 1960. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, it was put forth as like this magic bullet that would set women free, so that they could experiment sexually and they could have all this sex, which you know they might think was going to be give them love but it didn't and um yeah I actually had an article a couple of issues back on the F, the approval process for the pill oh, and yeah. it was actually known at the time that the pill had serious health consequences for women and that was not that was not taken into account even through the FDA approval cycle and, and hearings were even held where more information came out. And it turned out that, that those who supported the FDA approval of the pill and widespread use of it were thinking about um, population, overpopulation politics. And so women's health was not taken into account. Hmm. But but here we are, fifty some years later, and teenagers are given the pill. I mean, even adolescents are given the pill, and it's just not in it's not in their best interest any more than than all the sex that they're encouraged to have is in their best interest. I may have just rambled there. No, I don't know if I addressed your question or absolutely, not.
0: Absolutely, uh, no doubt. Uh, and and again, all of this has played out in. Where where we are today, uh, and and then the advent of you know high speed internet porn, and you know what we know today of how that affects uh, the brain, uh, and what it does. You know we we call high speed internet porn. We call it crack cocaine. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: It, I mean, it affects the brain just like crack cocaine does. I've heard you talk about that, but there are, I mean, there is, there is data to support that and, and that, that men, well, I mean, I guess it's sometimes for women, but it tends to be more of a male thing. Mm-hmm. When, when they get addicted to porn, it affects their brain and they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again.
0: Oh, Yeah. I mean, I've, I've sat with guys who, you know, parents did a pretty good job of trying to protect them from, you know, porn growing up, and then they go off to college and get a laptop and, and they are going to uh, discover porn. And it is so uh, addictive because of what's happening uh, with the brain, and it has to do with the Coolidge effect, uh, which is uh, kind of associated with the nucleus accumbens, the pleasure center of the brain. And it's, it's the unlimited uh, and endless novelty and variety. And, and it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, today it really is. Uh, uh, it's, it's unlimited because of high-speed internet porn. And that mm-hmm. uh, makes it so addictive in nature. Uh, and some of that's just evol- evolutionary biology in the sense that, um, you know, uh, looking for the perfect mate. And you can just, you know, click, click, click your way uh, into infinity uh, because you can find the perfect sex partner, uh, or at least keep searching for it, uh, that produces the right amount of dopamine. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. And the brain actually reconfigures itself to keep wanting to do that and to have that be the go-to response when there's emotional distress. Yes. Then another thing that I have seen again, I I come at this probably more from the perspective of a mom raising daughters, but but as porn has gotten obviously more and more available, it's it, it's it's hard to avoid it almost, and more it gets more and more violent, more and more people watch it, and then it it warps the growing. Male, to the extent that it's it's a male thing, a sense of sexuality and what women are expected to provide them, and and so when women go, they, they want their love. They go give themselves, but sometimes the male is really violent, and the woman doesn't. the The woman giving herself or the the young teenage adolescent. Giving herself sexually, hoping to get love, is instead just getting used and getting hurt, and getting more and more broken as well. And also, sometimes, you know, the the, the girl might wait. Well, wait a minute, I'm not ready for this. Stop. And and the guy can't stop. Oh, yeah. And then it becomes a kind of sexual assault, or it does become a sexual assault. She didn't really want it. She still, but she did put herself in that position. So I'm not really blaming any victim. I'm just kind of explaining the dynamic that happens on a grand scale Oh yeah. that serves nobody's it, interests. It,
0: yeah, it's just destructive. And, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, you know, uh, just the, the statistics uh, show us that, you know, more and more women, young girls, uh, are, you know, getting hooked on pornography. And so much of that is driven by, you know, these, these young teenage boys that are, you know, I mean the average age of exposure today to hardcore pornography is is somewhere around 9 years old and that's been steadily dropping but that's because of the advent of you know technology smartphones and and so these young guys are showing you know these girls well this is what you know real women do and you know it's 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 hardcore pornography and as you said, you know, girls want to—they—they—they uh, they, they want to be loved, and so they will go along in order to get that right. And right. and we see that play out in marriages. Um, and but but one thing that the the way that it typically plays out is that at some point uh, the wife kind of wakes up and says, "This just doesn't feel right." Uh, and they are the ones that will throw the flag and and then um, that's when things start uh, kind of unraveling because he's compulsively using pornography and he thinks that that is what you know sex is supposed to be like uh, but some somewhere in the Created design of Eve uh, in, in the woman uh, is this part of her that, like, knows uh, innately that this is just not right. Um, I always say that, you know, men are mostly, we're just, we're fancy dirt, right? Um, and, and, and woman is the first fully human being because she's born out of flesh. And, and she's certainly uh, created uh, for relationship and connection. That's why she showed up. And so I think that that women uh, have more of an innate, uh, intuitive part around this than men do, and so that usually plays out uh, when that stuff is going on in the marriage. Um, and and then of course you know and it's been um, I think it was Judith Reisman that talked about you know Hugh Hefner he took Kinsey's research and basically said that he was going to be the megaphone for Kinsey and he comes up with yeah. Playboy magazine and and so often when we talk about pornography today people think oh well you know it's like Playboy and we always go this, this is not this is not your grandfather's porn used to used to we'd say your father's porn but now we're in second generation uh, of the of the worst social experiment in history of just the unleashing of this on a on a total on a culture, uh, and we're seeing it play out. And and so, uh, talk about if um, like I know that uh, you, in, in your readership, uh, you guys have a lot of uh, uh, pastors and uh, church leaders and uh, ministry types. Uh, but just uh, as far as uh, the church and sex um, and and what you have seen and written about along those lines?
1: Wow, that's a good question. And um, the only way I know how to answer that, at least offhand, is um, the church is not—and I don't want to be critical of the church.
0: <laughs> it's okay. But,
1: but <laughs> because, you know, I'm part of a church, and I think we all are called to be part of a church— yeah. But maybe this is another aspect of how lies get halfway around the world before the truth gets its boots on. But, but by and large, pastors are not really trained to be in tune to the sexual brokenness. You see that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, but pastors are also inundated with the challenges that the New atheists brought 20 years ago. And because young people, or really not just young people, but anybody, can get access to any information on the internet, and they can Google a question and get any number of answer. And... and you know for the by and large i think pastors are doing the best that they can and many of them have their own yeah. brokenness or were raised in broken families so they're still trying to do some catch up and do some some healing or figuring things out for themselves and um ch- churches are not the best places to be going for it, by and large and i'm generalizing obviously to be going for um, sexual help, for help when a couple or, or or a single who's been misused or misguided, for help. And that's why I'm glad that you guys are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to at least give people um, intellectual help, I mean, not intellectual, but, but the help in terms of the ideas that guide our thinking and if they will guide our behavior Life works out a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that we have in our the thing we have going for us is truth really does withstand scrutiny. And if we will just, I won't say if we will just, but but sometimes it's just helpful to say, you know, sex works best in marriage. That 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 does resonate and I think it resonates with people because it just is true. I, I'm not really trying to give a moral prescription, although there are there is a moral code that that coincides with. But but sex works best for for a young woman and a young man when they have made a commitment to one another to um, stay together, <laughs> and, and 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 if there are if they've thought about what they're doing ahead of time that That it might result in 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 a pregnancy, and then a pregnancy is kind of a big deal. It's not just something you can erase without consequences. Uh, and again, I think maybe I've gone off and rambled. I don't know how to answer the question about what the church can do, except that people who are people who kind of get the get this and are both working on 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 recovering ourselves we're all in recovery aren't we, oh, aren't we? i mean we're all in recovery Amen. one one sense or another and sanctification is is a biblical idea but but it, it does involve recovery we're all broken we're all in a, a work in progress those of us who who are recovering to to be alert and be available and do what we can to serve to serve i mean loving loving our neighbor mm-hmm. requires being alert to what their needs are, and there's some needs out there.
0: Oh, tremendous! Um, and like I said, it, it's not getting any better. Uh, it, it's no. just, it's just amazing. Uh, the, the and really, it, it, it's just a culture in denial. Uh, you know, all the research around, uh, you know, marriage. I mean, everything indicates. That you know, uh, you know, even you know, obviously from a family system, you know, uh, it like a husband and a wife uh, is is always the that's always going to be the the best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, yeah. over the long term, uh, you know, sex inside of that, uh, again, research bears all of this out, but yet we just live in a culture of denial. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, our sexual rights uh, somehow trumps uh, everything else.
1: Well, and the lies are very loud. The mm. lies are really loud. And that's always been the case. And the lies, and it, it's easy to come up with a lie. All you got to do is just open your mouth and say what you want to say. Uh, you know, that that, hap- that started in the garden. You know, lies mm. are easy. Truth requires i mean for us to know truth, truth is knowable, but for us to know it does require for us to think and sometimes thinking takes time
0: yeah, and I think so often uh, especially around this uh, we, we have to go and and find the truth, uh, and certainly today there's um, just there's a lot of uh, just i mean there's good stuff out there around what is healthy sexuality. Um, I often tell people uh, when it comes to you know seeking help around sex uh, in a marriage or individually, you need to really be sure uh, who you're going to go get help from. Uh, we did an episode on helper trauma. Uh, that, that's what we call it uh, because, you know, maybe you go to your pastor uh, and and oftentimes, you know, they're the first line of defense when all hell breaks loose in some way and, you know, the couple goes to the pastor. But I also know that, you know, the amount of training that they get uh, in seminaries around sex and sexuality uh, is, is a zero. They don't get any training around it. Um, and then they get they, they get less around, you know, marriage and family counseling. Um, and so they can um, always say, it's good to go to your pastor for support and prayer and uh, all of those good things. But but hopefully uh, he's wise enough to know that uh, that's probably not uh, his area of expertise. And then he will have resources where he can refer you know a couple or an individual to somebody that can actually be helpful and not harmful when it comes to this. Um, yeah,
1: it's such a sensitive. It is just like maybe the most sensitive issue that humans engage in. It's deeply personal and 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 when you're wounded sexually, I mean that's really deep. And it hurts to go to that painful place.
0: Well, it, you know, it's just that it's the most sacred part of who we are uh, as a man and a woman. Uh, you know, Paul writes about it in, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, where he talks about this. And, you know, sometimes it gets preached as like, if you're a sexual sinner, you're the worst of the worst. Yeah. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's just saying that uh, it, that the, the consequences of this particular area of life Are much deeper and much greater because it is the most sacred part of who we are. It's like God, our Creator, put within each of us, male and female, His most creative aspect of who He is—the ability to create life. And that's why right that idea of it's
1: powerful. It's so powerful. I mean, what could be more powerful than making a human being a human life made in the image of God? Participating in that act. Is just like the most powerful
0: yeah. force on the whole planet A- absolutely and and so if if it we have this power of life but it also holds the most power for destruction, uh, it's yeah. kind of both ends of that continuum um, so uh, in in just kind of talking about the the bigger picture um, um, and looking at uh, just uh, pornography. I know you've written about that uh, and the affects of it and how that plays out. Um, what would you say just, you know, for our listeners, uh, what would be something that you would offer as far as, like, if if this stuff is playing out in your life uh, in, in some way, shape, or form, uh, even for pastors, uh, what would, How would you direct them to actually uh, change this, uh, do it different, uh, get help? uh, What would you offer around that?
1: Wow, that's big too. Um, But what comes to my mind is you've talked about uh, sexual as, as within the addiction metaphor. And I, I I I believe that that is that is true, and that is a good way to look at it. If someone's um, if someone's sex life is out of control, meaning they are you they're they're doing things sexually that they kind of know is not right, and there's kind of the shame around it, and you don't want to let it come out. The uh, first thing I would say is you, you need to you need to go before God with that. I mean, well, God is our first refuge, right? And if we can take everything to God, God's I mean, God already knows it. For one thing, it's not like we're gonna gonna surprise Him that. And then um, counseling, good counseling. I mean, maybe maybe. I don't know if you have on your website resource lists, but I bet that you do. Your book looks fascinating. I would love to get your book actually and read it. So I think I'm going to put that on my list of things to do. I was not aware of it until until um, I became aware of you guys and your podcast. Yeah. Um, You know, I have this is, I I, thankfully, not because I was virtuous or anything growing up, but because of the culture in which I grew up, I did not get sucked into a whole lot of sexual acting out. It was just not what people did uh, when I was growing up, where I was growing up. But I did get sucked, let myself get sucked into some compulsive behaviors around food. I think that's more common with women, women and food. And I had to learn to manage my own emotions or deal with my own emotions and the stress of life without just going to food as my go-to thing. And that was a process. And it it was not easy, but it was part of growing up. It was part of the sanctification process. It was part of the emotional maturing process. And so... All of us, well, to, to, I don't mean to be blunt or trivial, but we need to grow up. <laughs> mm. And God is the first parent, and God is a good parent. So, whenever anyone realizes, you know, I'm in a place that's just not healthy, I mean, the first thing to do is go to God and ask God for direction, and then look for people. and And I do believe if we ask God for help, and then we start looking around for where that help might be coming from, God is going to put that help in our path and guide us, and that's that's what the good shepherd does, right?
0: Absolutely. Uh, You said it earlier, uh, this idea that, you know, we're all in recovery, right? Um, We often remind people that the first time Jesus spoke in public, he talked about recovery. You know, he came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Um, And it is the sanctification process, and I believe what we're all recovering is the life that God intended us to live. Uh, before um, before life starts happening, you know, he had a plan and a purpose. Um, but you know, our our work is uh, beginning to get on that path of recovering uh, and taking back uh, these aspects of life that have uh, caused us a lot of pain and uh, and destruction along the way. And so it is it is recovery, uh, and we're all in it. Um, and you know, I've got two grown sons uh, and, and now t- uh, two, two grandchildren, a grandson and a granddaughter. And, and obviously this stuff for me is, I mean, it, it, it's been personal and, and certainly it continues to be because I look at, you know, those two little grandbabies and knowing that uh, this stuff is not getting any better and trying to do everything that we can uh, to change uh, the culture as best we can. Or certainly, you know, uh, our own little kingdoms, the, the our realm of influence that we all have. And that's one reason I so appreciate uh, Salvo and the work that you guys are doing. Um, and it is, um, I believe, uh, uh, the best uh, Christian worldview, biblical worldview magazine out there today. I recommend it to uh, certainly uh, every, everyone that I come across. Like, man, you need to, you need to get plugged into this because uh, it will help you think deeper and ultimately think better.
1: Yeah, because how we think is go- how we're going to behave. As a man thinketh in himself, so is he, or something like that.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, and you know our our feelings emanate from our thoughts, and so yeah. yeah. And if 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 we're if our thinking is distorted, um, then yeah, the feelings are going to follow. Um, you know, one of the things you you talked about, just the kind of the violence and, uh, boy, that's such a part of, you know, uh, the mainstream pornography. Uh, uh, I did a, uh, I have a PowerPoint that I did that shows the rise of broadband internet, high-speed internet, and, you know, that, that hit around 2000, and then uh, when you look at, Smartphones—they came on the scene, uh, you know, around 2010, and when you just—if when you look at the graphs, it's—it's it's this, you know, pretty steep incline, mm-hmm. and then I took the calls to the national sexual assault hotline, and you see, uh, it—if it, it, you overlay all these graphs, uh, it, it follows the same curve. And then the next one I had uh, sexual assaults in the military. Uh, and then the next one was sexual assaults on college campuses. Uh, and and it, 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 of course, you know, uh, researchers will tell you, you know, uh, causation uh, doesn't necessarily mean, or correlation doesn't mean causation. But when you look at this and where we are today, it's like, no, uh, all of that is connected. Uh, to the to to the rise, it just it it's the we live in a pornified culture, um, yeah. and it um, and certainly you with daughters, um, and uh, I mean they're grown, uh, my sons are grown. Uh, our my oldest son, he's one of our therapists. He works with us. Uh, he and I do a lot of work together uh, with men and fathers and sons, and um, yeah, we've got. Uh, 20 therapists that work under us, and uh, and most all of our therapists are you know, uh, are CSAT therapists, which is Certified Sex Addiction Therapist, and, and so we're kind of the, I don't know, regional hub, I guess, uh, go-to referrals uh, for this area. I mean, we work with everything, but certainly um, this just affects so many people and uh, certainly yeah. so many marriages.
1: Yeah, and there's no way to get away from the sexualization of pretty much everything.
0: Yeah, it's just there. So uh, just as we, as we wrap up, uh, just tell readers or, or listeners uh, how to get in touch or how to find Salvo and uh, the easiest way to do that and uh, get, get plugged in uh, to a great resource
1: yeah sure. thank you. um yeah, we're online. it's salvomag.com, dot com s a l v o m a g dot com. It's a print quarterly and it's a i mean it's a well, I, I think it's a good resource too, so I'm glad to hear what you have to say about it. It's a little edgy. we um Salvo does not assume that the reader is a Christian. Salvo tries to make the case that the biblical worldview makes the most sense out of reality. So it is, we have been told, you know, some people feel comfortable sharing Salvo articles, even with people who might be uh, resistant to the faith. And we we try to turn down the emotional dial. We don't really try to make people upset or angry. We try to just give them You know facts and sometimes history, and go back and trace the history of certain ideas and how they have played out. Like, for example, the sexual revolution, which goes back, you know, a couple of centuries now, and or 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 Darwin and Darwinian evolution, which assumes that we're just animals, and we try to trace the history of ideas and how people think clearly about them. We also have an online blog that's not a print magazine; it's online only, and people can get that also. On our magazine, sign up to get it sent to them. Roughly like three blog posts a week or something like that. No ads. There aren't ads on the website or the, um, the blog. So, I mean, just, it's just good content that we try to put out there. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, if, if somebody emails editor at salvomag.com, it comes to me. So, if people have, <laughs> you know, comments or feedback or questions or anything, they can, they can find us on the website and they can email me there.
0: Mm. Awesome, yeah! Tremendous resource. Uh, I would, I, I, recommend it to every everybody that I come across. Uh, I think it certainly is would be required reading. Um, so, Mantero, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. Um, and um, I, I have a suspicion that we'll be inviting you to come back because uh, I could, we could go for. I mean, we could do a whole. Uh, a week-long series around this because I think it's important. Uh, this is the kind of the foundational uh, thinking um, that is, is 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 you know my my teaching mentor, Doctor Dallas Willard. You know he always talked about uh, we're I, you know he was a spiritual formation guru, uh, but he talked about our spirits are being formed for good or for evil from the day we're born until the day we die. Yeah. Um, and, and regardless of whether we, we know Jesus or not, our spirits are gonna be formed. And they've been formed by the you know, crazy chaos uh, uh, of the culture. And, um, and, and your, your work, uh, Salvo Magazine, is, is one way of uh, correcting that and changing it and uh, forming it in the right direction. So again, thank you so much. Uh, Glad you took the time to be with us and uh, look forward to um, uh, having you on again. And we will.
1: Well, thank you. you. That would be great. I would be delighted to do that.
0: To learn more about what you've heard today and to engage with the Sex, God, and Chaos team, visit sexgodchaos.com.